Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. How does an economy that is more mindful and less mindless become a reality? Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. I'm your host, Joel Skeen, and I'm happy to welcome you to the show where we ask experts, entrepreneurs, investors, and industry leaders for their perspectives on how all of us can, on every level, do our part to help create a more mindful marketplace. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Mindful Marketplace. I am Joel Skeen, and I am excited to get to do our second part of this special two-part episode with CEO of Earth Equity um, Investment uh, Genius <laughs> and a writer uh, at Forbes Magazine um, and local, uh, just just a really great guy to our local community here in Western North Carolina, Peter Krull. Um, we have been talking about sustainable investing, values-based investing. We've been talking about um, how individuals can invest in the kind of future that they want to see in the future. And I am really glad to have Peter back on here for our second half of this conversation. Peter, welcome back. Thanks, Joel. It's great to be back with you. Yeah. So in the first episode, just to give everyone a quick recap, we talked a little bit about your background, you know, how you decided to get involved moving from traditional, um, you know, kind of Wall Street, big bank investing into a focus more on, on investing into companies that are sustainable for the um, for their for their communities, is sustainable for the earth at large, and how people can actually move their money so that they're casting their vote, which is really their dollar, is more your vote than your real vote, um, towards the kind of future that they want to see. And I'd I'd like to kind of pick up where we left off and you know just talk a little bit about you know we we mentioned that there's a there's a growing market demand for socially responsible investing there's a um there is also a growing sort of resistance to it and i guess the the first question i would want to ask you if we're going to kind of zoom out a little bit here and look at the big picture what what do you think when you look forward what do you think happens if we continue to invest in the way that we have for the last, you know, 80, 90 years, if we continue on as business as usual, and there really isn't any shift in the way that we are investing our retirement dollars and the other money that we have for the future? Well, you know, it's a, it's a good question. Um, because, you know, what, what got us here is not, there, there's a, there's a book uh, called, that's called what got us here isn't going to get us there. Mm. Um, and, and that's, that's really the way that we have to look at this is that, you know, it, it's okay that from the perspective of, um, you know, the kinds of companies that have gotten us here, I mean, fossil fuel really lifted up, um, standard of living in many, many areas, but there's a point at which you, you look at it and say, we're not using crank telephones anymore. Um, we're not using horse and buggy anymore. You know, the, the, the thing is, is that we really can't continue to go forward uh, in, in the same manner that we have because 
you know, climate change is just going to take us to extinction if we continue on the way we are. So it just really simply can't happen. And, you know, what, what do they say? The only constant is change, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those that aren't changing are going to get left behind. And so for us, we constantly want to be assessing where are we going? Uh, you know, I referenced in the last episode, my friend Garvin, who runs the, the Green Alpha Funds out in Colorado, um, they have a philosophy they call next economy. And he, they actually just published a, a uh, an update to their white paper on it, which I would recommend everybody take a look at. It's really, really interesting. I'll, I'll get it to you, Joel, for the, for the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when, when you just think about the phrase next economy, it's, it's really about looking where we're going. And, and, and what traditional investing does, for the most part, is it looks in the rearview mirror, right? It looks as, and say, what got us to this point? But you can't continue to invest in indexes that are based on yesterday's economy. We have to be able to look forward and we have to be able to invest and, and, and use a little bit of foresight to see what are the kind of industries, what are the kind of companies that are going to make us more sustainable and are going to make us more resilient. Resiliency is an important aspect of this because the reality, of the, uh, the reality is, is that climate change is here. That train has left the station. Now, the degree to which it impacts us is half of the equation, the sustainability side, but the other side of the equation is the resilience side. How are we going to deal with the impacts that are coming? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really like what you said about, you know, overextending. I don't know if that's exactly the word that you used, but, you know, this I think sometimes we have this idea that's, you know, been around for the last 50, 70 years in, about economics that it's all about infinite growth, that right. the answer to everything is always, well, just grow more. I think even I remember hearing, um, you know, this is not a partisan thing. I've, I've heard both, you know, both presidents from both both parties say that the answer to any economic problem that we have is just to sort of grow infinitely. And you look at, you know, what was common even just a few decades ago for people to have um, we have so much more now. We have so yeah. many more material goods. We have kind of gotten to a point where, as you're saying, like if we just keep adding stuff and keep adding stuff and everyone now has two computers and three computers and everyone gets their own, you know, I don't know, we all got our own car now where that wasn't, you know, the case even yeah. just a few decades ago. Uh, maybe we all get our own plane someday. Like at some point, <laughs> uh, I know for me, if I overexert myself and I overexert the system that I am, at some point I burn out, I get tired and I crash. And it seems like that's been the pattern that we see is that, you know, the markets and the economy sort of overdoes it, overexerts itself and then goes through a big crash and then overexerts itself and then goes through that big crash. And I'm just wondering when you talk about sustainable um, investing, obviously uh, we've talked about the environment with that. How do you see a more sustainable um, type of growth and investing moving forward where we're not um, kind of on this seesaw and on this ping pong yeah. of, of, of um, you know, of, of eating, eating so much that we get sick <laughs> and then, you know, not being able to eat anything at all. Well, you know, so much of our economy is based on consumption, right? Uh, and, and, and debt and how do we finance that consumption? And it's, and it's basically a, um, uh, a gerbil <laughs> wheel, you know, where you're really just sort of running in place and not really getting anywhere. And, and, and I think that, I don't know if that's necessarily, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but I mean, you know, that's, that's a good way to keep people in place, right. By just, you know, saddling them with that and give them the next shiny mm-hmm. thing. 
Um, you know, part of the issue that we're dealing with from a growth perspective is, you know, you look at these big electronics manufacturers and the concept of planned obsolescence, right? Uh, you know, how often can you replace your cell phone? Um, because, you know, every two years we've got to sell you a new one. Well, what happens to that old one? This goes back to that concept of circular economy that I spoke about earlier with, with Bill mm-hmm. McDonough or actually on the, on the last episode with, about Bill McDonough and, you know, how do we eliminate the concept of waste? So if we can, if we can look forward towards a more circular economy, something where, um, you know, waste becomes food is how he talks about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like you do with say a compost um, pile or whatever, you know, waste becomes food, which becomes soil for your next, uh, for your next crop. Well, we can do the same thing. There, there's so many different components that go into all of our electronics right now and you know, pretty much everything we use around that they can continue to be used. So that's one way to sort of you know, continue growth without, continue, without um, intensifying impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious to, you know, when you think about like, let's, let's dream for a minute and think if, if let's say, you know, I don't know, 75% of our investments could shift towards either impact investing towards uh, local investing, which we've talked about more yeah. here. Um, and also I, I really appreciate that, you, you know, that you brought up the the debt piece, you know, cause it's pretty, we talked about this when I did my 10 strategies for local investing, the first four of them are essentially get yourself out of debt because it's, it doesn't make any sense to get a 5% return on your money in the market. If you're paying 10 or 15%, you know, interest on your, on your debt. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that, that if I want a loan, I go up to a bank, you know, a wall street bank perhaps. And if you want to, if you want to make an investment, you're going to then invest in that in wall street and in those big banks when we could, you know, we may be sitting at the same table and we're using this sort of, you know, this big middleman in between us. Um, but I, um, the, the question that I want to get back to, sorry, the tangent there. (laughs) Um, but you know, what, what do you think happens if we do make a major shift in the way that we invest things? Like what, what do you think is possible? Well, I want to, I want to talk about debt real quick before, before we get, because, because you, Mm -hmm. you, you brought it up there, you know, debt, debt is a tool. Okay. That is not something that we should run away from, but that is also not something that we should abuse. So, you know, for example, you can't buy, I mean, most people can't just write a check for two, three, four hundred thousand dollars to buy a house. So in that particular instance, it's really important that you have good credit so that way you can, you know, finance things like that. Most people can't necessarily spend the 40, 50, 60 thousand dollars to buy a new car, which is what they're costing now. Uh, especially I, I saw an article yesterday that was talking about the price of EVs. Uh, and and they're typically twenty five percent or greater more expensive than an internal combustion engine. So so there are there 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 are is a use for for smart use of debt. So I just want to make sure that I'm not a complete no debt person. Um, but your your question in terms of what does it uh, take or what you know what what will investing in sustainability uh, or really shifting that what will that do? Theoretically, what it should do is it should starve the um, the companies that are our problems, that are the the, the polluters, the ones who are uh, taking advantage of people. What, what whatever you you know, whichever ones you want to select are there. It's going to starve them of capital, and mm-hmm. all companies need capital run. And the, you know, the biggest opportunity isn't necessarily you know the the stock divestment movement because companies, for the most part, don't really care. Um, 
whether you buy their stock or not. But the biggest opportunity to have a negative impact on, on, on a, a polluter or something is to get institutions to, to sell their debt. So in other words, when, when you sell debt, you're, you're theoretically forcing the cost of that debt down. Um, and there's an inverse relationship between the price of a bond and the uh, yield that it pays. So what you're doing is you're actually theoretically making it more expensive for those companies to borrow because mm-hmm. you're saying that you're a greater risk than your social risk or your governance risk. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're essentially, you know, like we said uh, in the last in the in part one, you're voting with your money by saying, yes. look, if you're. It, it's you know and that's that's the market demand is that we talked about is hey I don't want my money to go towards you know kind of making a, a worse situation in a worse environment I would like my money to go to companies that are at the baseline you know having a, a, a net zero you know kind of a, a, a neutral impact right but but really I, I do want to ask you about that too you mentioned in the last one talking about investing in the kind of companies that are actually making a positive impact on the environment and a positive impact in their communities um how do you identify that and how you know what what are some examples of the kinds of companies that you see doing that so you know it's um and i'm pulling something up here while i uh while i talk so i probably i'm not sure i can do both it's like sort of walking and chewing gum at the same time here uh and of course my internet is super slow so i apologize there we go um you know one of one of the things that uh we try to do, especially with our green sage portfolio, is really lay out what are those next, what are the next economy areas that that we think are going to be positive. And I, I mentioned some of these, um, but I'll, I'll go over some of them again. Again, clean energy, uh, everything from solar to wind to geothermal. Geothermal is one. You know, we were in, uh, uh, we visited Iceland last year, and a good portion of that country runs on geothermal energy mm. because they've got steam just coming up out of the ground. So right, why not right. use it to to, to generate clean energy, but, um, you know, energy efficiency and look at, look at companies that are, uh, and, and there's a really broad array of different companies in this, in this arena, but, you know, it could be a technology company that is making a process, uh, more efficient so that way you don't have to use as much energy or on the other side, it could be a company that's insulating the walls of the building or the house that you're, that, that you're in, you know, energy, the, the best kilowatt is the one that's never used, right? And so energy efficiency is a huge opportunity. Uh, I mentioned, I've mentioned battery technology. You know, when I started this particular fund 10 years ago, you couldn't buy a company that is, that is focused on creating batteries either for, you know, transportation or for, um, you know, like homes or, or for utility scale. And so, and now when, when I'm putting this portfolio together, I actually have to go through and decide which battery company we're going to use because there are so many of them that are publicly traded at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other areas that we want to, that, that we really think are positive, uh, and I won't be, won't get into detail with a lot of these, but, you know, water distribution and filtration and efficiency, you know, water is going to be, continue to be one of our biggest issues, especially out West, um, green transportation, of course, um, sustainable real estate and, and making our buildings more efficient. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of uh, real estate investment trusts that have truly dedicated uh, themselves to uh, taking both, you know, new buildings that they're building and old housing stock um, and really transforming them into um, structures that are, you know, 
much more efficient because they understand the bottom line. The, the less energy they use, the better for their bottom line. So that upfront investment uh, might be big, but they will certainly make that money back over the long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one area that I'm, I'm particularly like to preach about is, it involves finance, but it's, in, it's the insurance industry. Because and, and most people are like, well, what does insurance have to do with anything? Well, the reality is, is insurance has to do with everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're the one constant across pretty much every business, every entity, every person, and they have a a a an influence that they are not taking advantage of at this point. And what I mean by that is, let's say for example, you run a business, you're on the coast. And you are much more likely to be um, affected by more intense hurricanes. Well, you still need insurance. The insurers need to be taking into account climate change risk as they're underwriting your policies, your liability policies and such. And so they actually have an outsize potential positive influence by simply mm. coming to their uh, their clients and saying, look, we really need you to change because if you don't change, we're either going to raise your rates and make it almost prohibitively expensive for you to do business, or we're going to just cancel your policy altogether. So you need to be proactive about this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of pushing insurance companies to, to really be a, a motivator, especially when it comes to climate change, because they've got all the data, right? They're the bean counters. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see that happening in the U.S., uh, yet, uh, I'm sure we will, hopefully rather soon, but we do see it in Europe where, where the European uh, insurers are, are getting a lot more proactive on this. What are some of the, the positive steps that you do see happening right now that moves us in that direction? Well, uh, the the horribly named Inflation Reduction Act is, is certainly <laughs> going to be move, moving us in the, in the right direction, at least from a... Uh, Know, clean energy and energy efficiency perspective. So that that certainly is something that we love to see. Um, you know, you also see a lot of these um, you know laws of scalability are really coming into play with uh, solar, especially you know as the prices for solar panels continue to drop, mm-hmm. and it's it's more affordable for for people to put those on the roofs now. Of course, we need to get the utilities to play nice because they don't necessarily want to see their market share dropping. Uh, and so that's an area where we have an opportunity is to really get them on board. Um, they're not the easiest organizations to work with because they're organizations that really don't have any risk. And, you know, any anytime they want to do something, they can just increase your rates and and bill you for it. So, uh, again, they're not the easiest to work with, but that's our, one of our bigger opportunities is is um, you know, getting them to play nice with with a, a better price, obviously, for for, for clean energy. Yeah. Yeah. I've been noticing a lot more of access to solar, a lot more access to um, obviously electric vehicles. It does, you know, I mean, to, to be fair, it does seem that, you know, sometimes the, um, you know, the solution is sort of presented still within the model of, well, we just need to buy more stuff. <laughs> if we could just buy yeah. more. And the, you know, the reality is like, even some of these things, like it's not that these are uh, a one size fits all thing that's going to save the world because I mean, we still have to mine for batteries. We still have to, you know, the, the materials needed to make a solar panel will probably one day end up in a dump. Right. And so I think that comes back to what you were talking about with the circular economy um, stuff. But, you know, I'm curious, like when you think about kind of 
what is the next steps or what really should be done um, kind of moving forward? Like, I, obviously, there's challenges, there's resistance um, to changing investing because there's people who, you know, make money on the way that things are, are done right now. Um, but what do you see as kind of like the next steps or the things that are still left to be done that, that we can uh, either as individuals or as businesses be putting our focus on to be tackling next? I mean, ultimately, a lot of a lot of the change that we need to see, I think, is in our political systems, mm. um, and 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 those are probably going to be the hardest ones to change because you know the interests that want things to stay the way they are are the ones that are able to make large campaign contributions to the people who would make the changes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything from uh, term limits to limiting uh, limiting the ability. To uh, of corporations and these crazy super PACs to be able to, you know, make contributions. I think those are some of the most important areas that are prohibiting change or inhibiting change. I guess mm. uh, at this point, uh, if we if we look uh, in terms of you know, advancements, at least from a sustainability perspective, you know, there's there's corporate America in many ways is really leading the pack. Uh, in spite of the um, lack of action from a, from a, at least a federal government perspective, you know, you look at all of the car manufacturers at this point have pretty much said we're transitioning over to EVs at this yeah. point, um, and it is it you know they are spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on this to to retool to you know, build the battery plants. And I hear what you're saying earlier about the, what, you know, what we need, uh, you know, the resources that, that are going to go into these. Um, and that's one of those things where this is just simply not black and white. There's so many shades of gray when it, when it comes to, to the, to the sustainable transition and how, you know, and investments and, and everything, because, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room is climate change and it's hitting us whether we like it or not. Um, because we have for too long pumped too much CO2 and too much methane into our atmosphere, and it's just going to keep getting hotter. We need to transition off as fast as we can from fossil fuels. And one of the trade-offs, unfortunately, is going to be that we need to pull some of those minerals to make mm-hmm. batteries. We need to pull some of those minerals and silicon and stuff to make uh, solar panels. And we're going to have to kick that a bit of that can down the road, unfortunately, of what some of the impacts of that are going to be. But if we don't do something now and and all this talk of, you know, we need to get there by 2050 is is ridiculous. We need to get there much faster than 2050, because every time uh, they the um, IFCC comes out with a report, it's much worse than the last report said it was going to be. Because, of course, scientists have a tendency, and I know this because my wife is a scientist, to be, uh, to not be, um, to be more objective in things and not, not try to create a panic. But the reality is, is we all need to be panicking right now. We need to, we need to follow, um, you know, some of the, the young people who are really getting out there right now and saying, why are you doing this to us? Why aren't you doing something for us? 
Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It brings us back to what we talked about at the beginning of the first half of this, which is about looking not just at what we have right now, not what we can get right now, but really looking into the future, not just one generation, but as far out as seven generations. What is what we're doing now going to affect the people who live 100, 200 years from now? Because I think it's our responsibility. Our ancestors thought about us, and I think it's our responsibility to think about them. Peter, I'd love to honestly keep talking with you, but we are out of time. Um, I uh, thank you so much for joining me um, today, and thank you for listening in. Um, Peter Kroll, um, CEO of Earth Equity. You can listen to this episode and plenty of others, lots of other great hosts on bizradio.us. You can also connect with me directly at mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. Thank you so much. Take care of yourselves and take care of someone else. Thanks for being here, Peter. Thank you, Joel. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.